So, uh, I don't know if it's because I've been a little out of practice or, or what, but I just was really having a hard time preparing for tonight. And um, I think maybe part of it was a little bit, I, I, I felt this need to continue to try and wrap up the book of James now that we're at the home stretch. Um, but at the same time, um, uh, I think there's something significant for us about taking moments to acknowledge the, the, um, the season that we're in. Uh, this season of Lent, and um, we haven't really done that, even though I believe God has definitely used the book of James to uh, coincide with this time, but um, especially as we start this week, Holy Week, and uh, looking ahead to um, Good Friday and Easter, um, you know, if we if we don't, like, take time to acknowledge any other time, this is one of those times, I feel like. So I, I was sort of wrestling, how do I fit those things together? And, and, and Lord, what do you want to speak in regards to um, this time and where you have us and, um, and, and in bringing us back to that moment when, when Jesus was looking at the week ahead and what all that it was going to bring? Um, and, uh, and so... I felt like there was kind of this uh, connection there, oddly enough. So I want to start in James, but we're going to um, eventually end up in the Gospels looking at um, the life of John the Baptist and the life of Jesus. So if you would turn with me to James 5, and I want to read uh, starting there first in verse 7. says this it says be patient then brothers and sisters until the lord's coming see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains you too be patient and stand firm because the lord's coming is near for us it's waiting for winter to finally end yesterday Walking outside and seeing snow. Some of you might call it flurries, but it was definitely snow. Okay, verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Um, James is wrapping up his letter, and he comes back to the very thing that he started this letter on. And he started the letter, if you remember talking about, um, he started the letter with this very abrupt call to Rejoice in every circumstance. Rejoice in trials to take joy um, in the middle of suffering, um, which many of them were experiencing in some unique ways as they said yes to Jesus and as they sought to be obedient to him in their day. And um, James 
goes through the letter and he comes back to that very thing. Um, and he calls for them to be patient. He says, be patient, waiting for what's ahead. He says, be patient and stand firm. And he calls them to fix their eyes on the one who saved them, who is coming back for them. And he goes on and he, he mentions this word again, patience. But this time, patience in the middle of suffering. Um, and he reminds them that there is a blessing for those who persevere. A blessing for those who persevere. Um, and, and he recounts, uh, he says, remember the prophets. And he brings up Job as well. And he, as an example of uh, patience and perseverance and of blessing in the middle of that. And um, I wanted to take what he says here, which is to remember uh, the prophets. And I actually wanted to, um, to use what James is saying here to connect back to um, this week, Holy Week, and specifically to two people, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus himself. Um, so we're going to look at another passage with this in mind, patience in the middle of trials and perseverance and the blessing that comes as a result of that. And I want us to look at, um, let's actually look at Matthew 11. Um, And before we read about this um, account of Jesus and John the Baptist and their interaction, I just want to say I, I felt like Part of the reason um, <clears throat> we're supposed to talk about this tonight is that um, for for some of us there's a, a weight there's a weightiness in our lives right now. Um, for some of you, you're you're going through some things and you don't know why you're going through them. You're not sure how um, it makes sense, um, what you're supposed to do about it, and and maybe most of all, what God is doing in the middle of those things. And I just get the sense that. Um, that's the case for many of the room, and, and uh, maybe more than that, I know um, some of you specifically um, because I know uh, what you're going through. Um, and I, I want to say that uh, there's a connection to this week that I think is significant for us because we realize this, this week holds a weightiness in and of itself. Um, the week leading up to um, Jesus' death, there's this incredible weight, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actually trying to make um, a direct comparison except to say that I believe that um, uh, Jesus himself, he, he is the one leading the way, and we are following him. And as we follow him, um, it should not surprise us when we taste of even the slightest bit of the things that he tasted of, the things that he experienced. Are you with me? And I believe that there's actually a great encouragement in that. And it's what James is talking about when he says, consider the prophets. I believe he's calling us to look back at those who came before us and take encouragement as we look at their lives and as we look with open eyes at the things that they went through in obedience to God. Okay, so I want to I look at the life of John the Baptist for a minute um, as this one who 
very much. He lived this life that was in surrender to God, and it was uh, wild. Um, Because of his obedience, he hung out in the desert for quite a long time, eating all kinds of weird stuff. I know they choose to eat some of that thing, those things at art school now. But back then, I don't know, it wasn't the trend, you know. Uh, locusts, honey, all of that, the vegan thing, you know. Anyway, that's John the Baptist. I was reading this um, passage in Matthew 11, and um, man, just stuck on it. Stuck on it because, again, the weightiness of, of the situation and the circumstance. And um, I think maybe sometimes we, we really um, pretty up Christianity. Or we, we, we make it this thing that it's um, all fun and games, and it's not. Um, and I think maybe sometimes we just need to come back to that sobering reminder that there's a cost to follow Jesus. There is a weight. There's a weight to just living life itself, but there is a specific and unique weight that comes when we say yes to go where he's going. And and some of you, you you might not even see the connection right now, but I believe for some of you that's exactly the why of what you're experiencing. It's it's directly connected to... um, Maybe an event that happened a while ago for some of you when you said, yes, I will go where you want me to go. Um, So here's this moment in Matthew 11. And it says this. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I want to say that last part a different way. Um, There's another translation, a couple of translations that say it this way. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Um, You guys know the story of John the Baptist a little bit? Uh, I'm not going to recount it all, but... but, um, there's a part of that story that's really significant in, as it relates to this part. So John is in prison at this point. You know how he got there? He got there because he made the king upset. Um, he told the king, hey, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Um, if you call out the king, you know, uh, some bad things might happen. So for him, he ended up in prison as a result of that. Um, but before that, before he was in prison, you, there was this moment where John, he, he had this role to prepare the way for the one who was to come, prepare the way for the Messiah. And um, there's this moment where he's with his disciples and he sees the one he's been waiting for. And what does he say? Do you remember what he says? He said, there he is, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. 
John saw very clearly Jesus for who he was. And he tells his disciples, go, follow him. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the one I've been preparing the way for. Do you remember that moment? Now, consider that moment in light of this one. Here's John. He's in prison. John, who saw very clearly who Jesus was. He comes with a question by way of his disciples to Jesus. A question that might seem pretty unassuming to us. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Do you see this? Do you see what's happened here? Do you realize it? Like, this is more than just a question, a clarifying question here. This is the one who said, he is the one, follow him. The one who waited his whole life for that moment. The one who had this clarity beyond clarity about Jesus. And here he is, asking the question that he answered already. Are you the one? Are you the one? Are we waiting for someone else? Do you realize why? Do you realize why he's asking this question? Think about it for a minute. He's stuck in prison. He's stuck in prison. I'm guessing it was not the way he thought it was going to go. Jesus, if he is the one, surely these bars are nothing for him. If he is the one, surely he just needs to say a word and John can be free. But John is in prison and Jesus is doing what God has called him to do and John is in prison. Does it make sense why he would ask this question, are you really the one? Doesn't that happen for us? Doesn't that happen when we are, on a good day, it's clear. You are the one, and you're the one I'm following. You're the one that I uh, will go with wherever we need to go. You have those days? Those are good days. But what about the days where things are not going right or maybe the season where things do not seem to be going the way you thought they were going to go? Um, the, the expectations that you had are not being met where it seems like God is doing something different or maybe God isn't doing anything at all. Those are the really tough days or seasons, aren't they? And those are the times where it's really easy for this question to come up in us and this this feeling of doubt and and discouragement and that question, are you really the one? And if so, why aren't you following through or why aren't you doing something about this? Why aren't you proving that you are the one? You guys with me? 
Um, I want to focus on the words of Jesus here. And, man, I have to be honest, when I read through this, I've read through it before, but just reading it again and just wondering, trying to put myself in the place of John, it's a little confusing, isn't it? I mean, think about it for just a second. If you were him, why? Why am I still sitting here? Why haven't you come for me yet? I spent my whole life to this point to pave the way for you and what you're going to do. And with that, Jesus' response, a little, I I don't know, at at first um, glance, a little uh, maybe disheartening. Like, I, I, I would have been like, John, cheer up, hang in there, it's okay, I love you. As far as we know, that's not what he said. So it's a little puzzling, um, but I think what Jesus says here is significant. He says, he says this. He says, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell John this. I want you to tell him what you hear and see. I want you to tell him about what you've heard and what you've seen. I want you to tell them about the blind who are receiving sight, the lame who are walking, those who have been cleansed of leprosy, the deaf who are hearing, and the dead who are raised. I want you to go back to John, and I don't want you to try and sugarcoat the place that he's in, but I want you to tell him what you hear and what you see. I want you to tell him what God is doing right now. At first glance, Jesus' words don't seem too encouraging, but I think, in fact, they are just what John needs. And God is saying, I want you, John, to turn your eyes on what I'm doing. I want you to turn your ear to tune in to what I am saying, what I am doing. And I want you to feed yourself on that, even in the middle of of prison, even in the middle of what hasn't happened yet. I believe there's um, something so significant for us in that and encouraging for us. See, we get in trouble when we begin to feed ourselves on what God has yet to do. And say that again, we get in trouble when we feed ourselves on what God has yet to do. That is not a good place to be. That's actually worse than being in prison. We get in trouble when we feed ourselves on what hasn't happened yet. What God hasn't done. And Jesus he tells us what that is. He says that's offense. And he says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And I believe he's speaking into the very thing that was, what was in John's heart that he was wrestling with. He was wrestling with this feeling of, of how, how could God not 
and he's wrestling with this sense of uh, being offended because, maybe because of what he had given for God up to that point and where it had led him, what he was in the middle of as a result of that. And Jesus says, blessed is the one who is not offended because of me, even when you're going through stuff, or even when you're right in the middle of something difficult and painful. And he calls us all, I believe, to hear and to see what he's doing, to hear and to see what he's done, to hear and to see what he's doing right now, and to feed ourselves, to feed our hearts on those things. Are you with me? There's a word of encouragement in the room tonight for each one of us. And part of that encouragement is acknowledging first that when we say yes to Jesus, when we say, I will follow you, that there is a weight to that yes. There's a weight to where we're headed as a result of that. And we don't know all of what that entails. But we need to resolve in our hearts that in fact it comes with the yes. It's part of the cost of following him. Are you with me? John, the one who so clearly knew what his task was, he struggled with that. And I I imagine all of us, if we've been in his place, would have as well. We struggle with much smaller versions of this, don't we? And to it, Jesus is saying, look and see and hear what I'm doing. Feed yourself on those things. So we have to acknowledge, I think, first, the weight of that yes and journeying where Jesus is going. And it doesn't make it any easier, I don't think, and it doesn't necessarily even prepare us for those moments ahead of time. They can still surprise us. They can still sneak up on us. But I believe it's significant that we acknowledge that. And when those things come, that you and I, we, instead of feeding ourselves on things that, feeding ourselves on offense, that we (laughs) feed ourselves on what he's done. And so this week is significant in light of that. Um, This week is significant in light of that as we look at Jesus himself in full view. And we look at what he's done. And we look at what it costs him so that we could come into this family. Um, On this day of Holy Week, we have the triumphal entry. And it was this moment where the people celebrated. It was this moment where they worshipped Jesus as the king that they thought he was going to be for them. And Jesus, make no mistake, he is a king. Um, They worshipped him. They threw this part in the same people who celebrated on Sunday. They mocked and they scorned and they shouted on Friday. 
And Maria and I were talking about this today, and she said, I don't get it. I don't know how it would have been that these people would have changed their tune so quickly. I was thinking about it some, and I think part of it is you realize that it's, it's a lot of people want to be there for the party. You realize that? A lot of people, it's easy to be there for the party. But not too many people want to show up for the funeral. This call that we've been, um, this life that we've been called into, it starts with death. Just before this, this passage with John and Jesus, Jesus says these very words, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That is the entryway into the kingdom of God. We have to resolve to first lose ourselves and to continually die. A lot of people want to show up for the party but aren't really ready to show up for the funeral and much less our own. You realize before we can get to Sunday, before we can get to the resurrection, there has to be the burial. In our lives, if we want to live in the resurrection reality, if we want to live in victory, if we want to live in power, if we want to live in the authority that Jesus has passed on to us, we first have to die. I think it's these exact moments where we're right in the middle of something heavy that we need to realize that the most. And so it it makes a lot more sense. You realize that the people who were there for the party, they didn't want to go where Jesus was going. They didn't want to embrace that kind of a king. And yet, he made it very clear. He said, if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to cost. And so when I read about John, um, we, I think, see the cost. John was not only the one who paved the way for the life of Jesus. I believe John was the one who paved the way for the death of Jesus. He showed, it, showed us what it was like to follow in his footsteps and to die to self. And in this case, he lost his life because he said yes to him. Um, I want I want us to be encouraged this evening, and you know the hard part is we we don't wrestle with the same things. Our death doesn't look the same, but um, it's not any easier, really. Um, we struggle with it all the time to die to self to say. Yes, to God. We struggle with in the middle of even the smallest bits of pain and inconvenience and um, darkness to to have joy, to um, take courage, to feel blessed, don't we? But he's working on us. He's working on us. And I believe right now even, um, I hope you hear that, that um, the words I'm sharing you uh, with you are not meant to be words of discouragement. They're meant to be words of encouragement tonight in the middle of what you're going through. And God says, take heart. 
don't be surprised. Don't let this send you low. Don't let this for a moment question my love. Don't let this for a moment let you doubt who I am and what I've done. Are you with me? And I think in that way we can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at the life of Jesus. And you know, when the people said, um, surely this is not the one we want to follow because who would follow one whose end is on a tree. Who would follow one whose end is on a cross, a sinner's death? Who would follow that king? In the middle of that, we can take heart and we can say, yes, I I will follow you. And we can know that uh, not for a moment did the love of God ever diminish from his son. And I'm sure for some, they looked and they saw the week and they saw what he went through and they saw where it ended or at least where they thought it ended. And they thought, surely God wasn't with him. Surely God doesn't love him. Surely he's not blessed. He's cursed. And we know that wasn't true. Not even an inch. And I think we can take heart in that. And I want to tell you guys tonight, right in the middle of your stuff, God's love has not budged for a moment. Are you with me? In the middle of waiting. I hate waiting. I hate it. I hate waiting in line at the store. I hate waiting for a week for something to come in the mail. I hate waiting for days and weeks on end for things that I really believe that God has already said yes to. Are you with me? Waiting I would just fast forward right through it. I have the gift of of picking the long line. And God's blessed me with that, I think, because he's trying to teach me that waiting is actually a good thing because it produces something. It produces perseverance. It produces character. In the end, it produces completeness and maturity. It produces Christ-likeness. It makes us look more like him. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll wait if that's what it's going to lead to. Some of you are waiting for things from God, and it's hard. Don't question his love in those moments. Don't give up. Keep going. This is not meant to be a motivational speech, but that's what it's sounding like right now. God loves you. His love has not wavered for a moment. Just, we could just play that on repeat. Don't let offense creep in. Don't let difficulty drive a wedge between you and the one who called you to himself. You and the one who is your source of life and hope. Are you with me? I want to do something tonight um, in closing. I want to pray together, and I want to specifically pray um, for any ways in which we have 
experienced offense where it's maybe even just snuck in and I just want you to know that there's no um, there's no judgment or condemnation or shame tonight but I believe in fact in his mercy and his grace he's wanting to just say you don't have to live with that and in fact it's detrimental to you knowing me better it's detrimental to you even receiving what I have, receiving my love. So don't let it creep in. Don't be okay with it. Don't think that for a moment it's a good thing. So I want to pray for any ways that we've experienced offense, uh, ex- experienced offense in regards to God um, for what has happened or hasn't happened. Um, let's just um, I don't want to put anybody on spot but I'm going to because what Cynthia shared earlier this is a chance for this um, if, if that's not you and you're not in the middle of something right now I want you to pray for those who are if you're in the middle of something right now in that way, you're wrestling in your heart with God on something. I want to pray for you, and I want us to just, as a family, embrace you. To, to pray grace over you, to pray love over you, to pray freedom over you. So if that's you, um, why don't you just, um, would you just stand up for me so we can pray? Stand up. If you're wrestling with something in your heart with God, some offense, um, because of what has or hasn't happened. And we're going to pray. And if, if you um, are able to, I want you to just find somebody and um, put your hand on them, and we're going to pray together for our brothers and sisters tonight, okay? So um, just go ahead and do that if you wouldn't mind.